It's hard to balance life and a full-time job and still enjoy the things in your life you're passionate about. If you're passionate sports, every Monday and Thursday, join me as we talk about the day's biggest sports topics, the previews, game analysis, the infusion of music and sports, and rumors in the sports world. If you love sports and want a new, fresh perspective from a sports podcast, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Keith Johnson, and this is Sports Fans Only. Now let's talk some damn sports. Welcome back to another episode of Sports Fans Only with your boys, Keith Johnson and Sean Matt. It is December 9th, and we got a great show lined up for everybody. Now, as I always tell people, this particular sports podcast is a unique podcast because we add a radio show perspective, or should I say a morning show radio show perspective, because we play music during our segment breaks. We mostly play hip-hop and R&B, but we also play a little alternative rock music, because basically because we like it. We're, we're musicians before all this podcast stuff, musicians, artists, whatever you want to call it. And maybe one day we'll get more into detail about our music background and all that stuff. But music is our first love. Um, well, actually, sports is, but then music came after. So we're deeply invested in the music. So with that being said, we have different themes for different shows. Last show was a Dirty South Hip Hop day where we played you know, down south rap like Scarface, Lil Wayne, Outkast, and a bunch of other artists. Today we're on an alternative rock vibe. So it has a little hip-hop in it, but most of the stuff like Nirvana, Linkin Park, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and groups like that, you know, classics. Um, I want to explain that because some of our regular listeners might come on and be like, the hell is this? So I'm just letting you know, if you listen through uh, Anchor FM, now, you can't do this on Spotify. You got to try to slide the little uh, bar across to get to the next segment. But if you listen through Anchor FM, you can bypass any music that you want to bypass because each segment is a button. So you can click. You just want to hear us talking. You can click on that. You'll see it. The, the name of the song will be on, on different buttons. So you don't have to listen to it. But for all those who love music like us, you know, you're going to love this episode because it's going to bring you back to like the 90s, early 2000s. A lot of good stuff. So, whew, felt like I was talking a lot. So, Sean, Matt, what up, man? What's going on? Not much, man. What up? What up? It's good to be back. A little gloomy day in Norwalk, Connecticut. But let's shed a little light on some subjects, make people feel good for their day. Yeah, man. It's nasty and rainy outside. I hate it. Like, and actually, it's going to be like this all week, minus maybe one day, I think Thursday. When you guys get to, you know, we put the weather report on there for you guys. So if I'm not mistaken, there's one day where it's going to be a little sunny. But yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot to discuss, man. Both of us got uh, got jerked around a little bit with our teams yesterday, man. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> actually, the, the the mood of the day actually fits the weather outside our mood. So I don't know, man. I don't know, but I'm feeling good about our future. I'm feeling good on where we're going. I just think we just might have lost home field advantage, but we'll see. We'll see. Injuries happen. Teams pull up short late towards the season. Things happen, so we'll see. Yeah, I guess I guess the refs decided to damn your team for like the sixth time in three years. It just feels like the Saints are synonymous with the refs just totally taking your hopes and dreams and throwing them down the gutter. Um, but – and in, in the first time in recent memory, they decided to come up to Foxborough and damn us as well. So 
a lot of inexcusable calls yesterday. We'll dive deeper into that um, when the first segment uh, comes around. But, um, yeah, me, me and Sean aren't, aren't happy campers when it comes to this NFL thing. But, like I said, we'll get into more of that, um, get into a little uh, basketball. Um, Anthony Davis dropped that 50-piece on Minnesota. That boy's a beast. Um Mm-hmm. Did you see that game, or you didn't get a chance? You saw the highlights or anything? Uh, I saw some stats. I, I, I didn't get it. I don't think it was on um, cable or anything, right? So, yeah, no. you would have to have the package. I, didn't have, I don't have the package, so I missed out, but I was keeping uh, I was keeping up with the stats and everything. I saw his doing damage. I saw some highlights as well. Yeah, that, that's the only thing I don't like about LeBron and AD being out there in California, man. Those games be coming on like 1030 at night, and me being at the age I'm at now, Every night can't be a 10.30 night for me because boy got to get up, go to work, and that whole going to sleep at 1 o'clock in the morning, that's that's for the birds. That's for them young boys. I can't do that no more. But um. Yeah, I find myself doing the same thing. I, uh, I You know, they start at 10.30, sometimes 10.45. It's not over with to like 1.15, 1.30. That's a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I usually catch the highlights. Once in a while they're on the uh, – they play uh, primetime games, like, on the weekends. So those games are, like, you know, on Sundays. They're more in the afternoon. Or when they're on the road, I can catch them. But can't catch them when they're at home. That's just too much for me. But anyway, we're going to head into some music. Uh, I want you guys to check out this Nirvana we're about to play in a little Lincoln Park featuring Jay-Z. Actually, we're going to play the Lincoln Park Jay-Z first, and then uh, we'll get into the Nirvana a little later. So, Check out this Lincoln Park Jay-Z, and we will be right back. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. Uh. Yeah. Ready? Uh. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need y'all to roll. Uh, 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 yeah. Now what the hell are you waiting for? After me, there should be no more. So for one Make some noise. Get him, Jay. Who you know fresher than ho? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking, yeah. Can't none of y'all mirror me back. Yeah, hear me rap. It's like hand G rapping is prime. I'm young H.O. Raps great for dead. Back to take over the globe. Now break bread. I'm in Boeing Jets, Glow Express. Out the country, but the blueberry still connect. On the low, but the yacht got a triple deck. But when you young, what the fuck you expect? Yep, yep. Grand opening, grand closing. Goddamn your manhole, crack the can open again. Who you gonna find open a head with no pain? Just draw inspiration. Who you gonna see you can't replace him with cheap imitations of these generations? Time to say goodbye When I come back like Jordan We're in the 4-5 It ain't to play games with you It's to aim at you Probably mean you If I owe you I'm blowing you to smithereens Cops have to take one for your team And I need you to remember one thing I came, I saw, I conquered For record sales, sold out concerts 
motherfucker, if you want this encore, I need you to scream to your lungs and so Sean Mack back with the recap doing a Sunday night NFL primetime matchup between the 10 and 2 Seattle Seahawks versus the 75 Los Angeles Rams. Horrible offensive performance all around for Seattle. Russell Wilson was 22 of 36, 245 yards through the air, zero touchdowns, one interception. Running back Chris Carson rushed 15 times for 76 yards, zero touchdowns, five yards per attempt. Wide receiver DK Metcalf pulled down six balls, 78 yards, zero touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, four catches, 43 yards, zero touchdowns. No offensive touchdowns for Seattle, only one pick six by the defense. Seattle Seahawks, 12. Rams' Jared Goff finally had a good game. He was 22 of 31, 293 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Good to see running back Ty Gurley getting more carries. 23 touches, 79 yards with one touchdown. Malcolm Brown, five carries, 21 yards, one touchdown. Good game for wide receiver Tyler Higbee with seven receptions for 116 yards. Robert Woods pulled down seven balls, 98 yards, one touchdown. Cooper Cup, four catches, 45 yards, one touchdown. Los Angeles Rams, 28. So on Sunday night, NFL, we had the Los Angeles Rams defeating the Seattle Seahawks, 28-12. Once again, it's Sean Mack with the recap, and this is Sports Fans Only. The Patriots obviously would have won that football game if that referee had made that call that was right in front of his two eyes. It's right there for a guy named Jonah Monroe. He's in his fifth year of refereeing in the National Football League, a graduate of the University of Arkansas. And he is standing in perfect position to make the call of the game that we saw in the late window yesterday afternoon. And it it was a good inch of separation. You could see a whole inch of green between the white cleat and the white boundary. Am I right about that? Did anybody have any doubt that he was in bounds? It's as clear as a bell, and he is standing as the side judge right on top of it. 
How can you miss that call? And then furthermore, to top off this gross negligence, this gross incompetence, if if all scoring plays are reviewed, why can't all potential scoring plays? Well, Well, he hit the pylon, so you should look at it. Listen, you're, you're talking to me right after a tough loss, so uh, are you telling me how I'm supposed to feel? All right, I don't feel encouraged. All right, I feel frustrated because we had opportunities earlier in the game offensively to take advantage of field position. We had a number of opportunities. We had missed assignments, so no, I'm not, I'm not encouraged that way. All right, welcome back to Sports Fans Only with your boy Keith Johnson, co-host Sean Mack. We have a little breaking news uh, from Adam Schefter. The Browns and the Bengals were practicing last week, and um, they had a Patriot advanced scout there. And the Brown scout noticed that the Patriot scout was taping some information that he shouldn't have. Uh, that Brown scout told the NFL, and the Patriots had to turn over the video to league officials. The Patriot statement is that nothing illegal was happening on that tape. But uh, people are just wondering because he shouldn't have been taping certain things at that practice. And just by coincidence, the uh, New England Patriots are actually playing the Bengals next week. So it seems like something a little fishy there. Uh, The information just came out from Adam Schefter maybe, I want to say, 10 minutes ago, a little over 10 minutes. So we're still dealing with this situation and trying to find out all of the uh, moving parts. But it is an ongoing story, and I thought it was something that we should bring up. What do you got to say about that, Keith? Oh, man. You know, it's like, uh, what do I, <laughs> where do I go with this? See, I'm already dealing with the, the fact that the dynasty is coming to an end. So you don't want this to bookend. I thought we were done with the controversy, damn it. I mean, all right. I'm, I'm going to reserve I'm going to reserve the right to judge only because, like, you're allowed to be there, and everybody knows that. You're allowed to be there and tape certain things. They saw him turn the camera a little bit, and they thought maybe he was videotaping something he should have been videotaping. I don't know. Maybe the thing wasn't recording, and maybe he just happened to look over there, and it looked like he was filming. Um, and, and you, like you said, the Patriots, they came out with a statement saying there was nothing illegal on there. So I'm hoping they're being honest. And they're not just blatantly lying because that's that's going to take our last few Super Bowls and now everybody's going to be talking about those again, talking about how we didn't do it the right way. I, I can't believe that they would do this again if they did it. If they did it again, they deserve whatever they get. I'm, 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 I can't defend them after this. They don't, they've been caught two times already. And if they did it again, what, three strikes you're out, man. I can't defend you no more. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I still think Brady's to me, he's still the greatest quarterback of all time. I still think Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. I and if this is if this is true, I just think Belichick, he's like a Michael Jordan in the sense, just in this sense. I'm not saying Michael Jordan never cheated. I'm just saying that he's willing to do anything and everything to win, which could be a good thing and a bad thing. So I don't know, Sean. I don't I don't know what to think about that. You just even you made my day even worse by even bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> I was more on the lines of what you were thinking that, um, you know, honestly, it's like maybe it's gotten that bad. And like you said, a comparison with him and Jordan, I understand exactly what you're talking about. He's willing to turn over every rock, going to every crevice and cranny to find out 
what's wrong with his team and how can he advance? Because I'm pretty sure he's never been in this position since maybe uh, the first year or the second year that he's taken over there on the uh, Patriots, that is, because they've always had a chance. You're still going to win the division, even though all this is going on. But I think he looks at the field and his players, and he's getting a bleak, empty feeling. And he's thinking, if I don't do something, we're going to lose, and we're going to lose fast. Because there's still a chance that you can lose that division with Buffalo. You still have one more match with Buffalo. And if you lose maybe two more and Buffalo wins out in those uh, last games, they have a chance of possibly losing that division. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely correct. If Buffalo overtakes us, we might not make the playoffs because we just lost to Kansas City. Uh, we lost to – we will have lost to every playoff team if we lose to Buffalo, which means Buffalo would win the division. Now, we might still squeak in there with the with the wild card, but your scenario is if we lose, like, two more games – that would put mm-hmm. us at that would put us at five losses and eleven wins. Assuming we're gonna I mean, I don't think anybody thinks we're gonna lose to the Dolphins, but then again, the Dolphins put up thirty seven points on Philly and we couldn't score more than seventeen points on Philly. So Where's well, that game being held? The uh, uh Miami game. Foxborough. I think the rest of the games are in Foxborough. The last three. Okay. Okay, because I was gonna say y'all have a, a tendency to somehow either lose or make those games way more interesting than they are when y'all play in Miami. Well, uh, when we played in Miami, that was the game Antonio Brown was there. So uh, we probably would have had a tougher time, but, you know, we had our, our team was com- completely intact. We had Gordon, we had Antonio Brown, you know, we had everybody. So it's still going to be tough. It's Even though they're coming up here, it's always a battle with Miami. And uh, so – who knows? Who knows? I mean, especially if this if this turns out to be this cheating thing turns turns out to be true, there's going to be such a circus around the Patriots. I'd actually rather them not get into the playoffs. That's just my personal yeah. opinion. It's just too much going around, and it's just all this stuff just to see them lose in, in the first playoff game. I'd rather them not even make it. But that that's that's just my opinion. But uh, I, I think, hate to change subjects so fast, but. Uh, uh, it seems like it's a hot topic day. And even though the baseball season isn't in uh, play right now, we are a sports show, and we got to keep up with the uh, Joneses and what's going on in sports, not just when it's in season. But the Washington Nationals has resigned Strasburg for $250 million, seven years, $40 million a year. It's going to be one of the highest-paid pitchers of all times. So that's a little bit over a quarter million over a quarter billion. So what do you think about Strasburg signing back with the Nats for four, seven years, 245 million? That's a little over 40 a, mi- a year. Yeah, that only thing that worries me is their general manager already came out and said, there's no way we're going to be able to re-sign Strasburg and Anthony Rendon, which is their third baseman, who was in the MVP race. Oh, did he win the MVP? I don't think he did. He was in the MVP race the whole year, though. He had he had his best season. He's only like 26 years old, and he was going to demand a contract like that. And the GM was saying, I don't know if we could sign both. So now that they just signed Strasburg, it makes me wonder, will they be able to sign Rendon? And if they can't, I wonder, did they make a mistake? So what do you do? Do you sign a, 
a generational pitcher to a contract that big for seven years, or do you pay the everyday player who hits a hundred who, who who gives you a hundred RBIs, thirty plus home runs, and hits like three twenty? Do you pay him? Which one do you? Which one would you pay if you had to pay? Pitching. You would take the pitcher. Yeah, pitcher, pitcher, a pitcher, a great pitcher can stop great hitting any day. And even though we still have all these home runs and the, the you know the deep ball is that's a whole nother subject because they changed the texture of the ball. Some certain pitchers didn't like it, but that's another story for another day. But I would have to go with the pitcher because great pitching outweighs great batting any day. And when it comes down to it, the pitchers, the team with the best pitcher, still win the World Series. I'll, I'll I'll give you this: the fact that they have Max Scherzer there, and they have uh, uh, is it Corbin? I think his name is Corbin. Yeah, Corbin. So they have a great rotation, and they're already signed. So I, I, you know what? I tend to agree with you. You're you're adding Strasburg in with those other great great pitchers. So now you have like this all time great pitching staff that's together for the next five to six years. Whereas if you let Strasburg go and keep Rendon, you're, you're, you're weakening your pitching staff. I think if you just had Strasburg and you had just other average pitchers, I might lean to getting the everyday player because Strasburg can only help you once out of every five, five days. So Seeing that their 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 pitching staff is already solidified and they just won the World Series, I think you're right. I think I'm gonna roll with you. They 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 did the right thing. I, I forgot about Scherzer and Corbin and the other pitchers that they have. So to keep that pitching staff intact that just won a World Series, I think you're right. I think you stay with Strasburg and hope that Rendon gives you a hometown discount, which I don't think he is. He wants his money. So no. You got to take the good with the bad. You you sign him, you're going to probably have to let him go. Hopefully my Mets can get him. I doubt they will, but with this new yeah. owner that the Met, with the new owner that the Mets has, he says he's willing to spend anything. I don't know if you know uh Steve Cohen, he actually lives in uh Greenwich and he's like he, he's like worth 9 or 10 billion dollars and he put mm-hmm. out a a statement basically saying, you know, money's not an issue. I'm willing to spend anything. So that's good news for Mets fans, seeing that Washington's in our our division. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think, but I think yeah. you're right. I think they did the right thing by signing Strasburg. And I'm thinking now with uh, Strasburg being signed, 245 million for seven years, you still have Garrett Cole out there. I think everyone would say what I'm about to say. Garrett Cole is a better pitcher than Strasburg, pound for pound. Yeah. So if Strasburg got 245, there are reports out there that uh, Garrett Cole could see anywhere up to 290, 310. So do you you think you think the Mets will go sign him? Uh, that's a little. What's your name? <laughs> I, I don't. You know what? The Mets already got a Cy Young and Jacob Degrom. Um, see, we got rid of Zach Wheeler. We still have Steve Matz, and we still have. Seth Lugo, and we still have uh, – who's the other pitcher? Damn. I think we got rid of Wheeler. Oh, Noah Syndergaard. So, I, I'd rather the Mets get more offense than get another 
another pitcher worth that much money. That's crazy. I heard the Yankees were trying to get him. Now I don't know. They were talking with him. Yeah, I, I, I now nah, I don't know. <laughs> Three hundred million is a lot of money, man, for a pitch for a player that's only going to pitch once every five days. I, it almost feels like unless you have a solidified team that just needs one more piece to get over the hump, like the Yankees. I, I, I'd be scared to pay that much money because all it takes is for a pitcher to get hurt. Then you're really in trouble. If he gets hurt at any point in time, unless you're the Yankees or the Red Sox or somebody like that who could absorb that, I don't know. That, so to answer your question, I think the Mets should just do what they do, but don't, don't involve themselves in that Garrett Cole situation. Yeah, I would agree. I, I was thinking the same thing. It makes no sense to go out and get him. He might as well go to a team, like you said, that's more solid on offense already. Yeah. And, you know, they just need one pitcher to get them over the hump. Similar to when they sign, you know, towards the end of the season acquisitions, you have the uh, signing of certain uh, players. Like, you know, Verlander done it twice. Yeah. Kind of a hitman for hire. Yeah. So I would I would treat it like that, but do it at the beginning of the year. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's the a Yankees are gonna talk. I don't – he can't really go to anywhere else, right? It's the Yankees. The Yankees. I would say Boston, but they just paid their uh, Chris Sale two years ago. They gave him two hundred something million dollars, and then look what happened. This past season, he played horrible. I mean, when I say he was horrible, he was real horrible. That's why one of the big reasons why the Red Sox weren't the same team as the year before when they won the World Series. So that's the danger of getting a big-time pitcher like that, and then if he gets hurt, then you're just messed up because you can't go spend no more money unless you're the Yankees or Boston. But to answer your question, no, I don't think – they just got Chris Sale a couple years ago, uh, and they still have David Price, and they still – you know, they still have that that pitching staff on the World Series. So I think you're right. I think uh, the Yankees are the only team that's going to – or maybe the Dodgers. I don't know. The yeah, Dodgers possibly. The Dodgers. Because uh, Clayton Kershaw doesn't look like he's the same pitcher anymore, so no, I think it's I think it's between those two teams. So, but we got a little we got a little sidetrack, side but uh, we definitely needed that breaking news. So I appreciate you uh, hitting us with the breaking news. Um, back to the NFL. Um, your Saints. How, how did you feel about your Saints last night, man? First. I was immediately uh, taken back the last two years, certain calls. But, you know, I try to look at, I try to look at it objectively. I try to say, okay, this is my team. I know that the calls are going to seem like they're going against me because it's my team. This is what we do. But as I sit back and listen to other people that has no um, – you know, they have no alliance with the Saints. They just calling it for what they see in – the refs just seem like they have something out for us. But I can get into something where I think Sean Payton might have cost that game. I was um, a little busy at the time. I was working. So I kept an eye on the game and an eye on the you know, things I had to do. But am I right or wrong? Did Sean Payton go for two on the first touchdown that they actually uh, made? Yes, he did. All right. So by that logic... If you just kick the extra point, you have seven. So fast forward to the fourth quarter. When you score that touchdown that put you up one, you actually would have been up two, right? Yeah. And if you kick that field, you kick that extra point, 
you're up three, right? You you, yeah. you don't have to go for the two-point conversion. You would just naturally be up three by progression of making touchdowns and kicking extra points. So my question to Sean Payton would have been, when you first scored the touchdown and they had zero, were you already saying, I don't think my defense can actually stop them, even though they haven't scored or hit the field yet for a play? And you're thinking, I'm so scared I'm going to try to go for two and have eight that early in the game when you don't know what your defense can do. So the underlayer of the game to me, which most people are going to talk about the calls, but as far as the Saints fans go, what in the heck was he thinking? You kick that extra point, then when you score that later touchdown, you're up three and you no longer have to go for two. So question to Sean Payton, what were you thinking on doing that? And no one's actually asked that question. Most of the media is talking about the calls, but someone actually need to call him out on that bad decision early in the game to go for two. Keith. Yeah. Um, some of these – well, he's not really a new-age coach anymore. He's been around for about, what, 10, 11 years. He's been with the – oh, no, maybe mm -hmm. not that. Yeah, no, he's been around – he's been with the Saints for like 12 years, right? Since Katrina. Katrina's been 12 years. 12 years. So, I mean, yeah, so he's still part of that new-age coach, I, I would say, um, you know, more so than the Andy Reeds and the Bill Belichicks and all them. But sometimes these younger coaches, they get they, they try to get too cute too early when it's not necessary. Like, I don't understand what is the point of going for two. And when I saw that in the highlights, I was like, well, why? Well, you have no faith in your defense? I mean, I now, I remember saying this a couple weeks ago to you. I'm like, the, the Saints defense just looks – I remember the beginning of the year, they was getting after everybody, and people was like, oh, this the this defense is the real deal. They were talking about the Saints defense, the 49ers, and the Patriots. Those were the three defenses everybody was talking about. And something happened. Now, I get it that you're a little worried, but you're home. Um, you scored the first touchdown. Why not let the game play out before you start doing little – out-of-the-box things. Like, who does that? Nobody does that. Nobody goes for two on the first drive, on the first touchdown of the game. I mean, and like you said, combine that with the with the refs' calls, you, you just lost the game. I mean, that was a good, evenly played game, even though both defenses – I don't know what happened to the defense in this game, but I, don't, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. I'm as baffled as you are because that – is the difference between the final score because they wouldn't have had to score a touchdown at the end, correct? They could have just – they would have been able to just uh, – what was the final score? Uh, we won by – we wound up losing by two. So that last drive for the 49ers with 45 seconds, two timeouts remaining, they would have had to actually march down the field and score a touchdown to win. A field goal would have tied Would have tied it, exactly. So – you're right. I haven't heard nobody, and I saw that in the highlights, how they went for two, but I didn't really think about it because so many points were scored, and you forget. But that played a big part in the game. Why, you know, defenses would have been called different. Everything would have been called differently at the end of that game if that two-point conversion wasn't attempted. I don't want to blame it all on that. Uh, defense, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep harping on it. 
the defense. If you guys don't clean that defense up, I I, I honestly had uh, Super Bowl aspirations for the Saints. I thought you guys were going to be the ones to get to the Super Bowl. But seeing after last and the last few weeks, your offense is still legit. Top two, top three offense in the NFL. It's that defense. The defense, and I, I'm hoping that they clean that up and figure it out. I don't know if you guys have people hurt. Somebody in the secondary is hurt. I'm not, I'm not nope. sure what it is. No, we're just nope. not getting to the quarterback anymore. And okay. I think we only – I think they maybe punted the ball two times like yesterday. And it's just disturbing when we can't get stops. But I did see at least three to four occasions we held we held them to third down, which would have forced the fourth down. And it seems like maybe three seconds after I think we had to stop and we're going to get the ball back, a flag comes out. You know, ever since what happened last year, when the, uh, obviously that they missed the call in the Superdome against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. A lot of Saints fans, even uh, Sean Payton said it at the beginning of the year, he just, we, we really think that they're out to get us because we shamed them. They were to talk for months, and the NFL actually created a new rule that you can challenge on the uh, pass interference calls because of that situation which happened last year where the referees blatantly missed that call. So maybe they have a thing out for us. They're like, okay, you want to be particular and cry and moan about the call of last year and make people look at us like we're horrible at our job? Okay, we're going to make sure that we scrutinize everything that y'all do and every chance we get to make a call on y'all, we're going to call it. It just sucks, man. But, you know, now go ahead. No, 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 I was just gonna say that seems like that's what happened with the uh with the fake punt. What was it, fourth and eighteen? I'm sorry. That dude that was pass interference. And for whatever reason, they didn't call it. That would have gave y'all a first down. That would have breathed life into y'all all over again and and uh they missed that pass interference call. So that was Hill who threw that, right? On that on that fake punt. Yeah, that was Tatum Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom, man, it looked obvious to me, but I guess to the referees, that wasn't passing. Did it look like passing interference to you? Yeah, it did. And that and that play cannot be challenged because of a whole punt situation. The way they broke it down, I heard someone explain why. I can't even relay why because it made no sense to me. But, Keith, I have to say, I've seen many a times where we've gotten holes, the Saints, that is, and – I'm going to go towards the Patriots, turn the table a little bit. I have to say, for the first time, with my own eyes, I'm not a Patriot fan, but I have to say for the first time, I've actually seen the tables turn, and those calls went against y'all, and I have no idea what they were seeing last night, especially the one going into the end zone towards the end of the game where they say he stepped out of bounds. I'm still not sure why that play isn't reviewable, but y'all got hosed on a couple of times in that game. I'm speaking on the Patriots, that is. Why do you think all of a sudden, do you think the referees see the end of the light at the tunnel for y'all? And they're like, okay, y'all on the playing level field. Whatever happens, happens. We're not going to give you the mystique of Gillette Stadium anymore. We're going to let the games play out. And if it's 50-50, we're probably going to lean towards the other team. Why do you think 
Why do you think this is happening to your boys, the New England Patriots? It's it's tough, man, because like I said, the NFL, well, I've said before, I didn't say today, but I have said plenty of times before, the NFL is in bed with all these different betting, gambling sites and stuff like that. So in my head, it wouldn't make sense for them to do that because people are going to lose faith in betting on football. If you keep making these mistakes like this, why is somebody going to keep throwing their money away? So you would like to think that the NFL wouldn't be into quote-unquote scripting stuff. Like basically, I mean, I don't know how would he would how it would even work. Like does the NFL, you know, call up the head referee and say, hey, you know, things are close, you know, if there's a play or something, you know, we need you guys to go against the Patriots or go against the Saints. I don't know, but how else can you explain if you look at the freaking tape and you look at Harry's play, the referee is literally right there. I mean, he's in the most perfect position to look at his feet. There is more than enough space between his foot. It's not to me, it's not even a question. It's not even close to be saying that he was out of bounds when his foot never touched the out-of-bounds line. It literally never touched it. But because their excuse is because it's not a scoring play, which how can you call that not a scoring play if he reached out and touched the pylon? How are you going to call that? How are you going to say that's not a scoring play just because the ref said he was down at the two-yard line, but he still stretched out. He was trying to score. So wouldn't that be considered a scoring play? I mean, I guess I don't know. Is it only a scoring well, play if the t- the ref says it's a touchdown, or I don't get it? Yeah, they say actually the play had stopped when they blew the whistle from him being out. They actually what 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 confused me and baffled me was they actually talked about it. The two refs got together, huddled up, talked about it, and then still came out with the wrong decision. I mean, with the wrong um, decision now. I'm pretty sure they're going to tell them in the future, which they do on certain plays now with the new rules, let that be called a touchdown, then let the replay take care of it. Because if you call that a touchdown originally, the Patriots are going to say, okay, touchdown. The opposing team is going to look at the review and say, okay, that's actually a touchdown. There's no need to challenge. Problem solved. Exactly. And and for them to just say, without a doubt, like a definite, like that wasn't a touchdown. I, I thought, well, I guess it wasn't. I think it's only with two minutes left in the game where it goes up to the booth, right? And they can challenge, they can review anything, right? At, at mm-hmm. the, but it wasn't two minutes left. So, and for the simple fact that Belichick had to use his challenges on previous plays because the refs had messed up on that fumble, and on that, um, that's another one. The Travis Kelsey fumble, we had to waste one of our challenges because, first of all, they didn't even say it was a fumble, right? So because they didn't call it a fumble and they ruled it down, we couldn't get the ball because you see how he scooped it and took off running. But because they ruled it down at first, we had to challenge it. But because they ruled it down, they, they can't advance the ball. I don't understand that rule. There's a bunch of rules the NFL. in the NFL. I don't understand. I think I think earlier this morning I saw that the NFL or maybe a previous uh testator, a previous uh referee that actually on that uh works for Fox, he said that um that was a scoop and score that should have been six points for the Patriots. 
But uh, the NFL, they did acknowledge that they missed that call. So that's points off the board. So by my calculations, that's 12 points being taken off the board. Yeah, and then we lost by seven. So, and then if you add the extra points, but you can't say those extra points are definite. So we definitely lost 12 points off the board. And it's just sad. I can't imagine how you felt when y'all had a chance to go to the Super Bowl and they did that to y'all. I, I would have well, lost my mind. Before that happened, the year before, you had the Minnesota miracle where it seemed like someone told this guy, the cornerback the, uh, for the Saints, I forget his name. I'm pretty sure he's not on that team no more. But uh, he he did a half-hearted effort in tackling Diggs where if you tackle Diggs, the game's over and we advance to the championship again. The NFC yep. Championship. So follow that up with the missed call of last year and then the calls that they're missing this year. It's like either they're not going to let us advance to where we want to go, the Super Bowl, first the NFC Championship, or we have a hell of a game in store for us where we're going to get a call in the playoffs and things are going to finally go our way. You know, I hate to complain and sound like that fan that's just – Oh, the, the, the calls never go our way. Oh, it sucked. Like I said, I sit back and I be reserved. And I try to step outside of the box and outside of my fandom hood. And when certain things happen, I see what the public response is. When the public response is exactly what I'm thinking and I haven't told anyone, that's when I know I'm right. Because they've been giving us the good old, the good old shaft in the back for the last two years. So I'm just hoping that in the playoffs they have some calls that we actually get. Now I'm not talking about made-up calls of fictitious plays or phantom phantom interferences. I'm talking about just giving us the calls that we deserve. And if we're playing someone tough on the corners, as far as our safeties and cornerbacks go, let us do what we need to do. Don't let them manhandle us and then give us offensive pass interference. I think we're leading the league in offensive pass interference. That's some bull crap. Yeah. Not, with the receivers that you have, you guys have good receivers. There should be no reason why you guys are getting flagged that much. I, who knows? It could be a conspiracy. They try to teach you all a lesson. Don't be going to the media and talking bad about our refs like that. Now, I mm -hmm. mean, I think you might be on to something because I would like to go, you know what, for the next show, I want to I wanna research who has had the most penalties called on them when it comes to pass interference and lack of pass interference? I want to see who has the most calls like that or the lack of calls. I wonder if there's a way you could research that. I'm sure there is, but I, I'm almost willing to guarantee the Saints are at the top of that list. Yeah, we're probably going to have to go next-gen with that. Next-gen yeah. stats and have that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that out for the next show because I actually – I'm not a big person of rooting for somebody else's team, but to see y'all keep getting shafted the way you guys are, I, I, I'm, I'm just – I'm rooting for you guys to make it back to the – if there's any team I want to see, I definitely don't want to see Jimmy Garoppolo because you understand the storyline that's going to come along with that in New England if he makes it to the Super Bowl, and I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear none of it. So I'm really hoping that you guys – not either you guys or Green Bay knocks them out of the playoffs. That's that's what and it just sucks that you gotta go or Seattle. Sucks that you guys are probably gonna have to go up to San Francisco now if you play them. 
Yep, West Coast trip. And that sucks, man. I mean, that sucked so much, Kay. Yeah, they're, they're not uh, – the New Orleans history will tell you that they're not that – they're not a great playoff team on the road. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. They can. But they're almost unbeatable at home in the playoffs. And they usually – correct me if I'm wrong – more times than not over the last 10, 15 years, when they go on the road for a playoff game, they lose, right? Yeah. But, hey, the tables might have turned. We're not getting the home love like we used to. You know? Yeah, yeah that's true. The dome. Yeah, that's they, they, true. Horrible calls. So, maybe we need to hit the road, let the tables turn a little bit, get a little road mojo. But I'm comfortable. You know why I'm, I'm comfortable with going to San Francisco? It's because of the weather. That's yeah, the only reason why. We should warm. be able to still execute our plays. We still should be fast. We still should be able to make our cuts as far as the receivers and wide res the wide receivers and running backs go. So if we were traveling to, let's say, Chicago, Green Bay, yeah. I would be a little bit more reserved in my pick. But I'm comfortable with going to San Francisco and playing because it's going to be just mano and mano. The weather shouldn't be terrible at that time of the year. Maybe they get a little rain and we get a muddy feel. I doubt it. But we should be comfortable going there. You know? Yeah. And, and it's not over for the first seed neither because if I'm not mistaken, I think Seattle and the 49ers, don't they have to play one more time before the season's over? I think they only yeah, play they do. They, they still got to play each other. And um, I'm pretty sure one of those teams still got to play St. Louis. I'm not willing to say that St. Louis can't beat either or if – Everything is right, you know. If all things are even, it's not some crazy storm or nothing like that. Or I think the Rams can beat both of those teams if they have a if they play right. So you guys still have a shot for that first seed, but it'd have been a lot better if you would have just won that game last night. But you were playing yeah. against the 49ers and the refs, just like the Patriots were playing against the refs and uh and uh who did we play last night? <laughs> Who do we just play? The Patriots? Oh, uh, Kansas City. Kansas City. We play against Kansas City and the rest. But I can't even complain because the Patriots have we were the we've been the benefit of so many calls like that for so long. I, I I try to not complain. It's hard to, but you know it is what it is. It really is. But um, <clears throat> no. Go ahead. What were you about to say? Uh, speaking on Seattle, just right fast. I didn't think the Rams. Would be able to pull that game out last night, but you can't say it's traveling because Seattle just came right down the coast to L.A., but they looked good last night. I thought about you, and I was like, we're going to touch this subject. And I was like, nah, nah, we have other stuff on slate, but you see what happened when you get Gurley the ball, right? I think and last I saw, it was like mid-third. He had 16 carries for 70-something yards. Pretty sure he finished with more yards than that. So you see what happened when you get Gurley the ball, you win. So that's all I needed to say about that game. But the Rams look like they're all pulling along strong towards the end. And watch out for them. They just beat one of the uh, last week. Everyone was saying Seattle's the favorite in the NFC, right? Them in yeah. San Francisco. Some people had – most people had Seattle over San Francisco in the Saints. But look how tables turn. Yeah, you're right, man. I, I You know what? I had kind of forgot about uh, the Rams because – I don't know. They've just been flying under the radar. But like you said, you feed Gurley that ball. It's like it's like with uh, Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. When you don't give him the ball, they usually lose. Same thing with the Rams. I never thought Jared Goff was that great of a quarterback. 
he's a good quarterback when you run the ball with Gurley, you do a bunch of play action, you throw the ball deep. When you start trying yeah. to just drop back with uh, golf and just trying to make him into a Aaron Rodgers or a, a old Tom Brady or old, uh, you know, a, a younger Tom Brady, a younger Peyton Manning, I don't think that's his game. I don't think he's good enough to do that yet. You feed Gurley that ball, that opens up everything for everybody because they still have good receivers. They still got Cooper Cup. They still got Brandon Cooks. They still got uh, – I forget the name of their tight end, but their tight end's good. They still got a Aaron Donald on defense. Uh, they still got a key to leave on defense. And they got Jalen Ramsey now. People forget that they, they got him uh, a few, about a month ago or a month and a half ago. So – their day he's looking good too. Yeah, he looks real good. real good. And and mm-hmm. I, I like to see him if they play when they play San Francisco again, that's gonna be tough. You gotta keep to leave on one side and um and uh Jalen Ramsey Ramsey on the other side. Uh, that's gonna be a tough game. And then you got Aaron Donald blocking up that, you know, the run game and everything. There's a reason why they beat Seattle 28 to 12, and Seattle's got a good offense, so people need to watch out for them. They really do. But anyway, um, we're going to head into the next segment. We're going to play a little music for you guys, and we'll be right back to talk a little uh, basketball. Uh, we might talk talk about a little bit more baseball, a little football. We'll see what comes up, but we'll be right back.
Welcome back to another edition of NBA Jam Session on Sports Fans Only, brought to you by Anchor FM. While the NFL season is winding down and the NBA season is just starting to heat up, your usual suspects are right where most people thought they would be, but there are a few surprises throughout the league, such as the 16-7 Mavericks, the 17-6 Heat, the 10-12 Thunder, and the 10-12 Suns. I think most people had the Thunder pegged as a lost cause, and the same can be said for the Suns. But as far as the Thunder goes, Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder have quietly positioned the Thunder as the 7th seed in the West, as well as Devin Booker leading the Suns to the 8th seed in the West. In the East, Miami is the 3rd seed, and surprisingly enough, the Nets have rebounded from that suspect start with a 13-10 record, and currently are sitting in the 7th spot in the East. Sunday, there was a couple of marquee games, so let's go over the NBA games last night. You had the Nuggets losing to the Brooklyn Nets, 105-102. The Nuggets were paced by Jamal Murray, 7-for-17 shooting for 21 points. Nikolo Jokic was 10-for-21 with 24 points and 11 rebounds. For the Brooklyn Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie. I love this kid. He's doing such a great job filling in for Kyrie Irving, and they, they've actually won a bunch of games since Kyrie's been out. We're gonna, me and Sean are going to have to talk about that on the next show. But uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, he shot 10 for 17 for 24 points. And Jared Allen was 7 for 13 with 19 points and 11 rebounds. Another action, Hawks beat the Hornets 122 to 107. The Heat beat the Bulls 110 to 105. The 76ers beat the Raptors 110 to 104. And the Clippers beat the Wizards 135 to 119. The Clippers was paced by Kawhi Leonard with his 34 points, 12 or 18 shooting and 11 rebounds. Paul George had 27 points on 11 of 21 shooting. And Montrez Harrell had 20, 20 points to round out the Clippers scoring. Bradley Bill had 21 points to pace the Wizards. The Mavericks lost to the Kings 110 to 106. The Thunder beat the Trailblazers 108 to 96. The Thunder were paced by, let me see if I got his name right, Shai or Shay Gilgis Alexander. Tough name. Well, he had 21 points. Chris Paul had 20 points, and Dennis Schroeder had 21 points. For the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard had 26 points and 7 assists. CJ McCollum had 20 points. Carmelo Anthony had a horrible shooting night last night. He was 4 for 18 with 9 points. And Hassan Whiteside. I can't believe, I didn't even know he was with Portland until a few weeks ago. And this team should be doing a lot better than what they're doing. I think they're going to pick it up, you know, the, the longer uh, Carmelo Anthony's on the team and the guy that Carmelo Anthony took over for, the guy that got hurt when he comes back. But Hassan Whiteside ended up with 14 points and 10 rebounds. Now, the game I really wanted to get to, and the game that I really wanted to talk about, and I left I left this one for last because this is the one I really wanted to harp on, was the Timberwolves-Lakers game, which the Lakers won 142-25. to 
Um, they put up 142. They, they, they just seem so unstoppable right now. And it feels so good. It feels so great because I predicted this. When not too many other people were predicting that the Lakers were going to win a championship. Now, I'm not saying that it's in the bag already. And it's guaranteed because people can get hurt and all that. But I think LeBron's on such a mission. And Anthony Davis is so hungry for that first ring with those surrounding parts around him. I think they got this, man. And the box score for that game, uh, Anthony Davis ended up with 50 points and seven rebounds. He also had four steals and one block, and he was 10 for 10, for 10 from the free throw line. He gave Carl Anthony Thomas, as Shannon Sharp would say, he gave him that, he, he took him to McDonald's. He took him to McDonald's and gave him a 50-piece with extra sauce. And then you get the extra sauce, you get the sweet and sour sauce, the barbecue sauce, a little honey mustard sauce. That, that's what he got. That, that's what he gave to uh, Carl Anthony Thomas. Took him to McDonald's and gave him a 50-piece. LeBron James was, uh, oh, and Anthony Davis was 20 of 29 oh, for that 50 points. LeBron James shot 12 of 20. He had 32 points, four rebounds, one steal. He was six for eight for threes. LeBron just could not miss last night. He was just, he was unconscious with the with the shooting. Jump shots looking real good. Uh, Caruso was 6'11". Uh, he was two for three for three-pointers. He had 16 points. And Danny Green, every shot that he made was a three-pointer. He was four for six behind the three-point line for 12 points and eight rebounds. For Minnesota, it was a spread out effort. Covington ended up with 16 points. Wiggins with 19. Towns with 19. Okogi had 18, Culver had 12, Napier had 13, Teague had 12, and Bates Diop had 11. Well, that was all the games for the Sunday night menu. Uh, tonight's games are uh, the Clippers. Right now, they're playing. The Clippers are beating the Pacers 60 to 48 in the second quarter. Uh, Cavaliers are playing the Celtics. Celtics are up 44 to 34 in the first quarter in Boston. The Kings and the Rockets just started. Rockets are up 7-3 in Houston in the first quarter. Magic and Bucks are playing right now. The Magic are up 10-7. That's on NBA TV. Pelicans playing the Pistons. The Pelicans are up right now, 12-4 in the first. And the Raptors are playing the Bulls right now. And the score is 16-15 Raptors. And they're playing in Chicago. Game's coming on later tonight at 10 o'clock. Timberwolves are playing the Suns. And the Thunder are in Utah playing the Jazz. In other NBA news, let's see what we got here coming across the newsreel. Rockets pro, uh, protest of Harden's dunk denied um, from the other night. Kawhi Leonard out versus the Pacers. Uh, Paul George will definitely play. Gordon Hayward is available for the Celtics after missing a month of action. Carmel... Excuse me. Carmelo Anthony told reporters that after the rocket exit, he warned Chris Paul how they might do him in the future. And as and as Cavs continue to shop Kevin Love, Love says nothing has changed as far as he knows when it comes to the trade talks. Well, this has been another edition of NBA Jam Session. This is Key Johnson. Now back to the show.
Good afternoon, everybody. This is Keith Johnson here with your sports fans only five day weather report brought to you by Anchor FM. Your five day weather forecast is looking something like this. Today, December 9th, we have a 100% chance of rain all day long with a high of 53 degrees and a low of 52 degrees. Tuesday, December 10th, we have a 90% chance of precipitation with some PM rain, a high of 59 degrees and a low of 34 degrees. Wednesday, December 11th, looks like some AM snow is going to roll in. We have a high of 39 degrees and a low of 25 degrees. Thursday, December 12th, looks like those clouds will be clearing out. It'll be mostly sunny with a high of 38 and a low of 28. Make sure you bring your jackets because it looks like it's going to be pretty chilly on Thursday. And Friday, December 13th, looks like we'll have some PM showers with a high of 44 degrees and a low of 43 degrees. So it looks like every day besides Thursday is gonna either be raining or snowing or a mixture of both, but mainly rain is in the foreseeable future. Well, this has been a sports fans only weather report. We will see you again on Thursday, but until then, stay dry, drive safe, and spread love. This is Keith Johnson, now back to the fellas.
You will agree, ain't no brother like the K-I-D-D. You know what I mean? Tell you, what the heck? All right. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. This has been Keith Johnson with his co-host, Sean Mack, and this is Sports Fans Only.